Welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And tonight, we got all the boys back on the podcast. Jude and Brad, fellas, how you doing? Great. Glad to be here. Doing quite well. Hell yeah, because we got the Triforce kicking. And uh, tonight, we're just... um, Look, fall camp, Brian Kelly, fall camp in the summer, Jude. (laughs) (laughs) Fall camp really starts this Friday with Brian Kelly stepping up to the mic at noon. And um, so the offseason, as I know it, as I as I consider it, is coming to an end. And so we're just we're going to purge it with fire. We're just going to I don't even know, man, Jude, Jude, I think. uh, Messaged us about six o'clock and said, "What are we talking about tonight?" And I had no answer for many hours. And I'm just like, "We're just gonna talk. This, this is what we're gonna do." So, uh, so if you guys have any pressing, you know what? I do have uh, something pressing. Brad, Jude, and I went on the record the last podcast for um, for Notre Dame's prediction for their season record. So I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you. Give me your season record. Give me any any notables you have leading into 2019. Sure. I think they're going to win more games than they lose. Oh. 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 Hot, that's uh, smart hot ass. Fire tank. That's as, that's as bad as people uh, – that's as bad as – because I had to stop writing the articles because the only answer was, you know, <laughs> here's the one way to beat Georgia. Score more points, idiot. Oh, God. God, that's how you win. You score more points. I think if you get the ball across the goal line, that's how you get points, right? <laughs> so I think they should do that. Notably, I think they should do that. But um, only if you hand it off to a fullback. Well, of course, and we've got plenty of those on the roster, so you know we should be good. Um, In my mind, I think, I think you know it's again low hanging fruit, but the the Georgia game is going to be huge. It's notable. I think that's the one. They lose. I think they beat Michigan. I think they go to Michigan, exercise the demons at Michigan. And I think that really dictates how the rest of the season goes and what the postseason looks like. And I don't think we're looking at another playoff berth, but I do think we're looking at a New Year's New Year's six. Are you in the camp? Are you in the same camp for the uh, the Brandon Wimbush Bowl? I, you know, I no, I don't want to play Central Florida. No, not at all. I, I mean, I don't really want to either. But I mean, <laughs> that seems to be the. Uh, I don't want to say consensus, but man, it, it's it seems like it from a lot of people that believe that you know they put pitting uh, Notre Dame up against UCF in one of the New Year's Day Bowl, the non-playoff New Year's games. Yeah, I mean it's a cool storyline, but as a Notre Dame fan, why would you want to play UCF? No, I get it. Yeah, I still think is- Wimbush will be the starting quarterback in their in their bowl game this year. So I think it's a moot point. Yeah, that's a good point too. No, you you really think that now? You, I, I mean, they're down to him and a freshman, right? Uh, they have a redshirt redshirt freshman too, I think, right? I mean, somebody just got injured, and somebody just the, broke their wrist, right? Right, Mac, and they, all the articles are like, "Hey, man, it's it's clearly going to be Wimbush now." Well, okay, 
I guess we'll see. So I'm on record yeah, saying uh, you, he won't he won't start the 13th game for UCF this season. Okay. Okay, that's a good prop bet right there. Uh, I Drew Tranquil will go at never mind. <laughs> what? What? Hey, we'll go. How do you know? What are we like three minutes? We're three minutes in, and someone brought up Drew Tranquil, and it wasn't. This is uh this is becoming like the Charlie Weiss gag for uh for Martin and Wes. You know how they always seem to slide him into a conversation. I'll tell you what, I appreciate it much more than me having to say my age in each podcast as the uh, <laughs> as that. So. Uh, I and I can say I am forty for like two more weeks. <laughs> so, anyways, all right. So Brad's on record as uh, eleven and one with the loss to Georgia, just like you, Brad. Do you think it's gonna be a close loss? No, no, not at all. See, no. Nope. Uh, Greg, good friend of the pod, uh, DM me the other day and said, you know, history shows that uh, in non-November games against high-quality opponents, Notre Dame doesn't usually get blown out. And I said, okay, and I just disagree. So, I, I, uh, even more so, I, you know, I, the, the hill that I am, I am up on with about the Georgia game, I was emboldened even more so listening to the, uh, the last Irish Illustrated podcast. Uh, Priester, who's generally a downer, um, not quite as much as, as Mike Frank, uh, but generally a downer as far as like tries to, tries to keep it a little too real. Um, he, he, he kind of hinted away about, about the same points that I, that I was making about Georgia as a reason that he, you know, maybe a toss up for him that week to pick. I mean, I think we're all pretty, I mean, I picked their name to lose a Georgia. I just think it's going to be a lot closer and everyone's saying, I think losing your five leading wide receivers. I mean, Jake Fromm's a good quarterback, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. I mean, so. I think there's a lot that goes into it, but like I'll I'll stand by my by my statement is if Notre Dame blows the doors out of who they should blow the door out of New Mexico and and Louisville, if they're doing what they're what we expect them to do and what they should do, then the close game against Georgia, whether it's a win or a loss, is going to happen. If they struggle in those games against uh, in either game against Louisville or against New Mexico. Uh, expect a two touchdown loss or more. But, uh, just where I'm sitting at, they're gonna they're gonna have to be a, a revved up, like well, you know, no burning up the clutch, fellas. Like slide into those gears. Oh, uh, treating Ball State or New Mexico like Ball State, where you're looking past them, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's a I I, I want to say a moot point, but that's definitely something that's. From last year is a learning lesson. I don't. I don't think we're gonna have that problem. It's it, it's too close to home. That that Ball State game do, dominated Notre Dame was a dark cloud over Notre Dame's entire season, just from a narrative standpoint. I mean, that's it. If, if that yeah. if that if they blow Ball State out of the water, the close game against Vanderbilt isn't much of an issue. It's just a close game against a SEC school, even though it's still Vanderbilt. But you could get past that. But because they didn't blow the shit out of, you know, Ball State, and, Mich- and Michigan was lighting up their MAC opponent, right. that's that's when it started. Really, it was after, after you know, it was after the Vanderbilt week. But I mean, it all it all boiled down to that Ball State game. It became the re- the de facto reply of every Notre Dame hater looking to justify leaving Notre Dame out of the playoffs at twelve and zero. 
Yeah, I mean, even if they didn't say it, it was the doubt that Notre Dame put in, every, put in the mines or or the fertilizer for the doubt seed that was already there that it boiled down to. They may not even remembered it. They wouldn't have to. Just it's already been, you know, fertilized and watered. So, so, so here's my question. What do you make of that, like, historically for Brian Kelly's teams? Because what these Notre Dame haters remember are these close wins over Ball State or losing to Tulsa or losing to South Florida. They don't remember, like, putting up 60 on Temple or 50 on Central Michigan. Like, historically, how does that paint the public's perception of this team moving forward? I just feel that's good. That's sports in general and especially football. I think you have a very, you know, you, you don't remember some of the wins. You have selective but, memory on purpose too sometimes. I mean, I mean, losses yeah. stick with you, especially with a program like Notre Dame, a blue bro, a blue, blue blood. I'm drinking y'all. <laughs> yeah. um, a blue blood. Pro- I can't, I'm not with a, with a major program like Notre Dame that uh, the, lo- the losses and the close games against the the tryhards, you know, that, that are going to topple Notre even like an eight win season type Notre Dame. If uh, it's huge news with like when a, an AAC East, when an American conference school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, gives them a battle. It's those games that stick with you for whatever reason that that's just going to be the case always. I mean, who, who doesn't, who can't forget Louisiana Lafayette or is it Louisiana Monroe? And Alabama in 07. It was, it was Monroe, what? Monroe huh? offense? Was, was it Monroe? Was they put two quarterbacks in? Is that what we're talking about? In 2007, when Saban lost to, to... Oh. Yeah, it was the Warhawks. Which, yeah, which... yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That game's... That, that's probably the most memorable game of Nick Saban's entire career at Alabama. And that's a team that has won a shit ton of national championships in that time. But I guarantee you... Nationwide, the most memorable game that they've had is that loss. Even more so than the Man- Manziel uh, game in 2012. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, because it, it was more. This is more headliney. It was Alabama losing to the Warhawks, man. I also remember them losing to Doctor Bo, if I recall correctly. And uh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, Ole Miss had Jack- their, you know, yeah, Ole Miss had their number a little bit. So I mean, but I mean, shit, you can't win them all, Nick. Sorry. <laughs> and we remember the three you lost. <laughs> <laughs> we we got them all nailed down. Yeah, Ohio State. <laughs> so yeah, we're in the off. We're listen. We're, we're the last stage of the off season. It's been quiet. There hasn't been some big new. And listen, I know I'm playing with fire here because once Notre Dame players report back to campus. There sometimes has been an issue with law enforcement and maybe a, summer, though, right? maybe a little scuffle here and there right before fall camp. It, those, those incidents happen after Culver, right? And those, that weird two day period where they're there and the other rest of the students aren't there. No. Well, although that ha- that did happen then, uh, but there's a, that the, the period where I think like we're in right now, like right before fall camp. Like once they get back to campus, like so a lot, lot, a lot of the guys are out and about right now. Like I, I know Braden Lindsay right now is in Oregon's Instagram story. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So once they get back, there's like a like a day or two lapse where they don't have, you know, they really don't have anything going on. 
and then um, that can be that can get you some trouble. But we're staying away. We're, we're staying away from that. That's what I'm saying. We we haven't got that yet. Uh, I know I'm playing with fire, but it, it's been a quiet off season. There's no big name transfers. There's been transfers, obviously. Um, there's no. There's been no weird off season spring injuries. Um, other than like guys healing, what's that? There's been a surgery, right? Wasn't there a guy who had a, a foot surgery? Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right, Aaron Banks. To clean up a foot issue, right? Yeah, yeah, that and they that's something that was made lighter than I would give it. You know, I mean, that's a big dude to be in there digging around with a foot. You, you ever have you ever had any surgery on any of your lower extremities? Of your two large lower extremities. <laughs> yeah, I declined to comment. Remember to whom no you speak. Comment. Right to that against self-incrimination, I think. So Brad, have you have you had surgery on a knee or an ankle or a toe? No, I have not. Okay, neither have I. But I <laughs> but I, but I'm told uh you know, the bigger you are, the harder it is on this with the surgery, which makes sense because there's just more weight, more pressure. Uh, and Aaron Banks is anything but small. So as most everything in the offseason is, you you can say it's a wait and see. I mean, <laughs> we wait and see with everything. Well, we're about to see it. Um, speaking of which, the Notre Dame practice uh, schedule with a lot more media viewing uh, this time around, kind of reflective to what they did in spring, um, which is nice uh, in a way. I, to me, I, I didn't mind the. Uh, I think winning the, just kind of helps all that. Uh, I think. <clears throat> okay, you want to know what I really think? Okay, and stop me. This this is not this is not the rant that I that I, we talked about earlier. Where don't, don't stop me. You can stop me if I'm wrong. But <clears throat> I think Brian Kelly is kind of. I think he's kind of legacy shopping right now. You know, I, I think that regardless of of three or five, whatever the whatever the time frame is left with Notre, with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, there I think there is a you can see the the end coming at some point, okay, and maybe in the back of his mind that there's if he doesn't win a, if he doesn't win a national title, what is his legacy at Notre Dame going to be, and I think something that that he doesn't want, and he, it, there's no way for him to fight it. You know, really, I mean, he's a, it's just ingrained, it's ingrained in everybody's minds. But I really think that his, him as a person, his personality, his demeanor, um, and his ways with the media, which, honest to God, like 89% of the time, he's actually a pretty slick guy to, for, to be around with the media. But, it, you know, it's those times when you'll lose and ask stupid questions you know, that you're going to get some shit, but I, I just think he's, he's putting forth a kind of a more open, kinder, gentler, Brian Kelly towards the media. Cause don't get it wrong. I mean, all these decisions, I mean, that get made as far as media coverage and all that, this all gets by Brian Kelly. He is the, the only one that says yet can say yes or no to this. So Throwing a bone to the media a little bit, I, I don't. I think is a is a nice way to grease people up because they pine for it. 
maybe I'm completely off my rocker. And I, I just think that that's, that's a decent part of, of why we get to see so much of them. Okay. I never thought about it that way, but. It's a lot like what presidents do towards the end of their, you know, the, the end of their, uh, their term, right? Say a guy's a first a one-term president got voted out of office. You know, those last few months, he he's legacy shot. You know, he's he's digging around to to make whatever he did viable, right? To be to be memorable. And so I I think in a lot of ways, when and not just with football coaches, but with lot in lots of ways of life, whether it's at your job or as a father, just whatever. I, I, I when you see the end of something coming you almost always have an instinct to make sure that you're remembered a certain way. I mean, I'll go down to the fucking blaze of glory. So they're going to diagnose me. And the moment they say that I'm just driving straight to fucking Montana and finding a grizzly. And we're just going to get this shit over with right now. My wife knows this. It's not, I, I don't think it's technically classified as a suicide uh, because I can win. I can beat a bear. I, I'll be armed. I'll have a knife on me. Uh, but, you know, I just figure that's a much better. Brad Pitt and Legends of the Fall going out like that is probably the dopest way to go out. I, I can beat a bear is what people who win Darwin Awards say right before they die. I yeah, I, and I'm fine with that. Like, that, like that's cool. That's better than, that's just better to me. Between, yeah, I, I mean, I agree between Legends that. of the Fall and the Royal Tenenbaums with the epitaph on the on the tombstone, I, I think I'm combining. I'm, I'm preparing my wife now for a combination of those two things for me. Well, I just keep thinking about every job I've ever left to go to a new job. And as soon as I accept that new I just stop caring. It's like I start getting new requests to do things and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll do that for you. <laughs> so I don't know, but as far as far as the media viewing goes, I, I don't. I just I I think there's a whole lot of of nonsense that comes out of of a lot of media viewing, and that's fans constantly asking about the next thing. You know, whether it's a freshman or sophomore that they're they're feeling are getting enough reps, and they're pissed because a seniors getting more reps. And I, I think a lot of nonsense comes out of it um maybe more bad than good but it's still nice to know what you got leading into the season i suppose you know what i don't think any fan wants to know about trick plays or gadget plays or no i mean and no one will report that anyways yeah no absolutely so i think that the collective paranoia over all that stuff was always um just it, it was paranoid you know right. I, just, I mean it's, it's coaches being coaches right i mean they're guarded anyway you know, to be honest with you, I mean, look what Mike Leach did with a playbook for crying out loud. I, I hear what you're saying about Brian. Everything starts with Brian Kelly, but sometimes I think people get preemptively protective of Brian Kelly, and Brian Kelly doesn't care nearly as much as those people do. You got a point. You, I wow. think you got an excellent point there. I think there's there's people that are that are that are saying I don't know if this is okay, and I don't want to get chewed out by my boss. So I'm going to I'm going to preemptively say this is no go, and then I could always walk it back or like, loosen it up or whatever. And I think I feel that this 5 a.m. phone call 
doesn't need to exactly happen. I don't need to be called a dickhead with my wife sleeping next to me at 5 a.m. We're just going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> so, yeah, Again, that's, a, that's, that's a great I think, point. I think people I, – I think what Brad said is – or maybe what you said was right, which is people want to know which freshman looks outstanding – you know, who, who looks like he came to camp, uh, out of shape, uh, you know, what, who's in the nickel package, uh, who's playing boundary versus field, you know, some stuff that would be maybe helpful to opponent, but not really that helpful. That wouldn't be, you know, the most helpful thing would be that game tape against Louisville on September 2nd, you know? So, um, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, Scott Satterfield is going to say after the game, well, you know, thanks to Pete Sampson's excellent reporting, I, uh, you know, I knew that they were going to have this this certain look or whatever, or they were going to run this play or whatever. I just, I never see that happening. I, I just, no game will ever turn on a, 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 a August camp report. I just don't see it. So. Brad, have you ever remember seeing anything that, you know, do you ever, I mean, I remember the old practice reports back from the Weiss days mm-hmm. when he was a little more open sometimes. Do you, do you remember anything ever being really, accidentally or leaked you know what i'm saying do you do you ever remember any of that not really i mean yeah there just weren't like like jude said the value is basically what reporters can give to their audiences to for them to consume and, and keep them thinking about college football and notre dame football there's nothing i mean nobody was predicting that stupid two-point conversion like statue of liberty play against michigan in week three of 2011 or whatever it was or 2008 <laughs> in a practice report from august like that's that's not something that happens that's i mean we'll, we'll sit here and hear about freshmen and sophomores that are going to be really really good and then they'll catch two or three passes or we won't hear about a guy that breaks out it's it's a crapshoot really when it all failed us really was back in 2007 when when they were just decided to do a whole different offense for Demetrius Jones <laughs> in August. <laughs> I mean, that that's when the whole system fell. Oh, you can bet Georgia Tech were, was it Georgia Tech? They were definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, they knew exactly what was coming. See, one of the, it was like three, 33 to nothing or something. One of the things I like that I thought that strikes a good balance is um, asking the reporters to refrain from tweeting during the practice and then just to like, wait until after they've talked to the coaches to do all their tweeting slash reporting or whatever. I like that because I think that there's this pressure that some reporters feel not maybe the not the top pros or the guys who've been around longest to be the first to report something. And I think a lot of times you get people worked up about things that don't, te- that they don't end up being anything. So a guy, I think you're dead on. A guy walks off a field and two trainers are by him and he looks like he's limping and all of a sudden you're reporting he's got a serious ankle injury and it turns out he's back at practice the next day. I think that hurts the credibility. Yeah, because when he was walking over there, the trainer was just rapping to him. And so he's just kind of like doing a little ditty dance walking over because he's having a good time, but no one hears that shit. You know what I mean? You know, it's... it kind of muddles the whole message if one reporter is saying, you know, looks like a possible broken ankle. Second one saying looks like a high ankle sprain. And the third one saying, oh, it's just a tweak. He'll be fine. And the fourth one saying, I didn't even see it, you know. And so yeah. if Brian Kelly's at the end and says, yeah, Jameer got rolled up there, but, uh, you know, Doc says he's going to be fine or whatever, then everyone can just repeat 
the what Brian Kelly said. And if it turns out Jameer is not fine, then that's on Brian Kelly. That's not on any individual reporter. So I, I actually think that's a really good thing that they they hold off on some of the like injury talk until after the practice is completed and they've had a chance to talk to to Brian Kelly about that because it Man, it, I wish we could do some of this with recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like, like like let recruiting reporters know maybe don't tweet about any of this stuff, bro. So you know, I, I, I like I mean, or at least take Carter's approach. <laughs> That's the thing is I think that these recruiting reporters and I'm not, try, not trying to paint them all with a broad brush, no, but, but you know, they do see, they feel this internal pressure because to, there is, but listen, they're, they feel it because there legitimately is pressure on them from their bosses to be that. That's what people pay the money for, right? Is for the scoop, which, you know, Twitter's for free. So it shouldn't make much of a difference, but I will say that these guys, even the guys who I kind of, you know, make fun of, you know, with you, Jude, you know, especially when we're not recording stuff for public consumption, uh, there, there's legitimate pressure on them to, to perform to a certain level. And part of that level is to, is getting, picking up scoops, getting the scoops out there. And, you know, so to that degree, you know, I understand that it's actually real, but there's well, always a fine line. Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's it, it's not about how many scoops you had. It's it's how much the person trusts you when when the scoop comes out. And if you keep baiting them with like little nibbles that are not satisfying, and if you say to somebody like Notre Dame is pursuing this guy who's already committed to another place, and you know nothing comes of that, then I think there's a lot of um, people who just say. Uh, I've heard this song. I've heard this, you know, second verse, same as the first court sort of thing or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, you tend to figure out who the people are that you can trust on the beat and you tend to wait for them to give you the information. And, and I remember, you know, when the Ian book thing came out, it was like, well, you know, how much trust do you have in a, in a barstool account? How much trust do you have in, in a Pete Sampson or an Eric Hansen? um and or tim priester you know what well, i mean in this day and age too i mean a lot of people people put a lot of trust in in a couple of things that are kind of uh irrelevant right and that's a, a blue check mark and a number of followers yeah. and that's where a lot of people's trust relies in I'm like oh, yeah, yeah dude it's a verified account you know thirty thousand followers it's got to be legit right so, I mean, that, that's a huge issue. And I, I remember, you know, I remember that clear as day, uh, that, that day when all those things happened. I mean, Notre Dame's media stayed quiet following the old adage of in, in reporting of, you know, if we're not reporting it, if we're not talking about it at all, none of it's true. But yet in this day and age, that just doesn't work because social media is such a, a, a different animal that someone needed to step up and you know, and knock that shit down. I mean, and not to toot my own horn, but I mean, I, I sat down and made that my, my goal that day, you know, at that moment, like, look, someone's got to prove this shit wrong or right one way or the other. But, you know, people are asking questions. No one's given an answer. No one's understanding the, the, you know, the old silence is golden, you know, kind of a thing. So, and then, you know, we tracked it down. We got four or five different sources on it and debunked it. And that 
calmed it down. I mean, it was a busy day on the site because somebody was looking for answers. And I mean, I'm just saying in this day and age in social media, there has to be an answer. I mean, I think that I think the mentality of if we're not saying anything, you should just go ahead and assume that everything's okay is kind of new old newspaper thinking, which is the newspaper comes out in the morning and whatever news is fit to print, we will give it to you in the morning, you know, and uh, it doesn't really work on the 24 hour news cycle. Having said that, right, right. Yeah. Even, yeah. even that's, that, point, which is an even bigger point, animal than just social media. My point was more like, you know, Pete Sampson reporting something about Ian book and grades is a hundred thousand times more credible than a bar stool, which I think is run by college interns, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Like I think that, some of those, I, I think, I think some of those guys are full-time employees of Barstool. But I, I think a lot of the college, the exact Barstool account, I can, couldn't tell you exactly. Um, but I know a lot of the college Barstool accounts are that they're the college considered college interns. Right. So I think that's, that's what you have to, you have, you have to start saying, what has this person said in the past? Has that turned out to be credible? If See, it that's has, a lot of thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, a lie can get halfway around the world before it's the truth gets its pants on. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I think you're, I think what there, there needed to be something that said, that said, this is not credible and silence was not the answer, but at the same time, the person putting it out in the first place, um, was shooting first and asking questions later. And I think right. that's irresponsible too. So you got, a, you had a couple of things going on there. You know what I mean? And it's exhausting. Frankly, it's exhausting to knock yeah. down every single one of these silly rumors because, um, you know, I think the, her loyal sons guys proved it, uh, you know, what, 10 years ago during the coaching search where they threw out a name that was just completely that one that they had decided in their own group chat was going to be the one that they pushed. And, you know, they just, they put the force of will behind it. And then, you know, all it took was one site to pick it up and say, okay, you know, their names might be seriously considering, uh, I don't remember who it was, Tommy Tuberville or somebody like that. And, all of a sudden it, you know, it became almost like gospel and, and right. they, they were doing it to prove a point. And I, and I think that, um, you know, as, as camp opens, it's important to remember that if you hear something um, on a message board about somebody getting hurt, that's fine, except let's wait for the, you know, let's wait for the people to talk to Coach Kelly and actually get the information about the severity of the injury and stuff like that. So the guy running to the message board who said, you know, my buddy's at the practice and he just saw, uh, you know, X player go down and it looks real bad or whatever. Then there's the collective freak out. Um, that's, you know, look, that guy, that guy is doing it for real is doing it because he wants internet, internet karma points or whatever. But at the, at the end of the day, um, I'm going to be looking for, you know, the guys that I trust on the beat to tell me, you know, that they talked to coach Kelly and that coach Kelly had said, Oh yeah. You know, that looks like a, a you know, we're, we're fearing the worst on that or that's not a big deal. Right. And Jude, I think it's really interesting and very prevalent that you brought up like old school thinking because like back in the day 
journalism was your one source and it was literature essentially like you know against a blue gray sky everybody was being very creative and exaggerative when they came up with their accounts of what was happening because you couldn't go to twitter and and look at other what other people were saying other people were witnessing and you know not to get esoteric or weird or meta but i'll take it one step further and say that most people on twitter they're like the sailors of old where they saw a giant squid and that's how we got the kraken like that's that <laughs> those those stories are exaggerated and they're taken as authority and they're spread and like you said a lie gets around you know halfway around the world before it's proven untrue and i think that's a lot of times what happens with these stories so i think you really hit it on the head and yes you know, sailors and the kraken speaking of authority here <laughs> I, one of the uh you know as far as the off season goes there there's there's a ton of fluff that goes out into the into the space that we live in and um but i honestly god think one of the best things of the off season that one of the one of the most fun things from the off season dropped today uh, from our own Pat Sullivan, uh, talking about the battle between the Leprechaun and Clashmore Mike. Uh, <laughs> did you guys get a chance to read that? Read that yet? Oh yeah, did that was quite a uh, a lot. This is time. extensive. I actually really enjoyed uh, his back and forth with a former Leprechaun, and I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Made an excellent case for uh, keeping the leprechaun. So, <laughs> you know, I thought I knew a lot of. I've, I've been a big bring uh, Clashmore Mike back kind of a guy. I never knew that they buried Clashmore Mike in the stadium. I, yeah, I, I didn't know that either. Yeah, of of all the information from that 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 uh, that stuck with me, you know, probably the most. But it's a fantastic piece. And look, this is what the offseason supposed to be about right is having a little fun i mean yeah. my favorite part was the dogs who have done sports things and the first like <laughs> eight are all buddy in airbud <laughs> like, uh, i didn't I, know they made that many sequels i do know from uh friends with pat on facebook one of his what his friends took a screenshot of that list and was just like shaking my head this is this is pure pat because <laughs> <laughs> of all the buddies <laughs> Oh, there. I, I wish I would have been uh, could have heard some of those conversations uh, with his friends about we, Airbud. We were talking about the, you know, the, the one thing today about, uh, you know, every day should be Sunday closing down or Saturday. I'm sorry. Every day should be Saturday closing down um, was the number of people in the comment section who were who are linking to their favorite articles. And it reminded me of some of the great stuff that they had they had written. And that's Pat to me. like. Pat forever will be the guy who told the story about how many Long Islands he consumed before the game. You know what I mean? Like, or uh, the ice, the crazy. Yeah, it was Long Island iced teas, weren't they? At the, the yeah, and where are the uh, where are the remember the six shirts with his with his friends? Yeah, I mean, that, totally on brand for us. To me, like, I, look, we've done a lot of great things on our website, but for me, that's one that you know. Pat always steps up right there when you, right when you need it. It's about this time of year. Yeah, when we hand over the keys to somebody else, that will be the one I'm like, hey guys, read this article, you know. So now it's a fun read. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you if you don't go over to the site too much, maybe you're waiting for the season to get going for when we really, you know, uh this isn't a Ferrari. Uh I, I would say that the site's more like a um oh maybe a 1994 Audi. 
Yeah, probably like a like, like it's a '94 Audi. Uh, but once we once we turn the the keys on and you hear that Quattro engine purr, um, <laughs> is when the season gets going. But go take take a moment and go over there. It's gonna take you more than a few moments to to go through this and I mean sit down with something to drink. And it, it is honestly, God, one of the most pleasurable reads that that I've had this off season. Sure, there's all sorts of great stuff going over on at the Athletic, right? Yeah, because they they pay Pete Samson a lot of money to be really good at what he does. So you, of course he's gonna have it. Then off your subscription with you by using the following code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, but Pat's been piecing this thing together uh, over the last couple of months, uh, working his normal job, uh, which whatever it is. But uh, it's a great read. Check it out. I, the The funniest thing to me right now, thinking about this, is actually the Facebook out um, the outrage because people can't read past the headline. And uh, you know, and I, I think that I think you even had a, a disclaimer in your article with the uh, with, with the names, Jude. Is people just think, can't. No matter how much warning you give them, they can't read past the headline. And I mean, this, is, this has look, been one of those fun ones that that it's in a few circles. This one's picked up. The thing is, I don't believe that, you know, the aforementioned Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Eric Hansen will ever do a story about anagram names, you know, rearranging his <laughs> name. And, and I and, and frankly, I think they've got better things to do, but I don't have better things to do. So. No, no, no. We got this. This is what we. It, 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 it amused me greatly. <laughs> Um, you know, I tried to throw a little, uh, red zone data in there in the beginning, just in case the, you know, to kind of, to, you know, fend off all of the wolves. Uh, but, uh, you know, look at the end of the day, we got to write things that make us, uh, and make us enjoy our job. And, um, and, and that was one where I just said, this amuses me and I'm going, and I'm going for it. And I think, I think Pat's article today was, was exactly like that, which is he put a lot of, a lot of thought, a lot of time into that. And, you know, you can look at that and say, well, that's ridiculous because they're never going to get rid of the leprechaun and they're never going to bring back a dog. And they've been pretty clear about their no live animals policy. I'll punch that person in the face. Um, Just be quiet. You don't need to say that. You don't need to say that. Just read it and enjoy it. At the end of the day, like, you know, Pat is a lot happier if he gets to write that article than another, like, (laughs) Some Notre Dame legend who he's never heard of died today. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> or doing a, yeah another profile as we march through the profiles. You know the you know what is Andrew Kristoffik's nickname or what what uh, you know what does he most remind you of? Right. So although I don't know, Pat's a Pat's a name guy, so the, the nickname thing he might get a little more excited than uh, than you. Uh, <laughs> well, you, just, you guys, you guys just wait until I start rating preseason hype videos again. I am, I am waiting on that. That's going to happen very soon. <laughs> now, the hype let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's, yeah, let's hype up the hype video article. Let's talk about that for a second. What do you I don't know if I have What do you look for in a hype video? I, I definitely have some thir- certain things that I look for in a hype video. Uh, one, uh, first thing and foremost, and this is going to make me sound so old, but if it's if you got like some sort of like rap song where the guy's like, uh, uh, you know, he's just grunting like half the time. Like your your hype video automatically goes down like good two steps in my book. You know, see that's what for me that's one of the better ones because it because those usually don't have some of the other um some of the other things that go along with the other hype videos that I that I loathe even more. 
So I appreciate just a straight highlight video. I also, basically. I also hate the other end of the spectrum, which is like the like the soft bagpipe or O'Neill Brothers or something soft, and Ooh, then like, yes. like Dan Hicks like outlined yeah. against a fall sky. You know what I mean? Like some sort of like narration that they clearly like just straight stole from from NBC's opening or whatever. I mean, everybody like, thinks they're fucking Coppola. I mean, or they they, like they start these things off with like. Cowherd or Herb Street talking oh, shit yeah. about Notre Dame, no. like yeah. in a black and white kind of a way. Like, look, that was done by Oldie back in 2005. And look, that's 2005. You know, we're living in 2019. These high, so many of them start off the same way. And then it pops with all these highlights from last year, right? But here's the thing about hype videos, man. They got so much footage of players we don't fucking have anymore. All you do is make me sad that those guys aren't playing this year. Hey, when you put Jalen Smith in your 2016 hype video. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like some massive like montage about hype about Notre Dame rather than the 2000 the rather than the season itself. Yeah. No, like, if if your if your title is 2019 season. Right. Um, like video. You got to see this. You got. You have to put players on the team who are currently on the team. You cannot. Don't watch this because you might die from the awesomeness. <laughs> uh, I also love it when they time like ferocious hits to like beats in the song or like you know like. Hey, that takes talent, man. Yeah, because Shane for uh, HLS Superman TD Jesus does that great, and and the videos that he used to do, he used to really put a lot of effort into timing up those like those like you know pops or those big like the guy right. who beat the pass just as like the the song broke out you know what i mean so um i still remember the one he did for uh, josh adams's 98 yard run against wake forest in 2015 and he used uh chop suey uh by Spice oh yeah that's a good one and it was just like so it was so well done and uh that, you, guys, you guys want to hear like the worst thing ever and, and i made shane do it so b before Shane was with her loyal sons, he was at Subway Domer way back then with me. And I believe it was 2010. No, 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 no. It was 2011. Notre Dame played Purdue. It was the game where DeVaris Daniels like punched a guy like 20 yards, kept stiff arming the shit out of that guy 20 yards down, uh, score a touchdown and all that. And Shane was doing videos for me. And I did something so embarrassing that it's hard for me to admit but yet it was it if you think about it if you think about it i was ahead of my time with it and i i said throw this imagine dragons track on there oh my gosh <laughs> and dude that was before they were using them for everything right and i'm just like yeah that'd be a good that'd be a good one that'll, that, that'll go good with a video yeah do and, the outro to follow up and, and listen yeah. listen the video is really good like it, it, it's in perfect Shane fashion where he's got like snaps happening from center to quarterback, you know, on precision with a certain beat drop. It's a, it's a great video. It's been viewed a lot of times, but uh, it, it is both embarrassing that I said, yeah, use imagine dragons and both, um, you know, Hey man, I, I know what's good. I know what people are going to buy. Uh, <laughs> I just need, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he announced which song they're going to beat to death yet this year or, or uh, God, you can only wait. And I, 
I'm pretty I'm confident now that Charlotte has uh, Charlotte Wilder now that she's wrote the definitive definitive uh, Imagine Dragons uh, piece that uh, she'll be on top of that one. I, I'm hoping. And I wait for that. Okay, so my last thing is that <laughs> that that please use bagpipes sparingly. I think a little bit of black bagpipe goes a very long way, and I don't want to listen to a minute and a half of bagpipes. I just I don't find bagpipes that interesting. I find them annoying and i and i have this theory that everyone finds bagpipes annoying but nobody would just like jude 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 Jude. you know i do bagpipe monday every monday through the season right i do i find i find bagpipes annoying i i think i'm i I think i'm i think a lot of people do i think oh no they don't they're freaking awesome just not for for hype hype videos are lame as they're but don't knock the don't knock the bagpipe because right, of a right. bad hype video. I, I, need, I need the listeners of this pod to, to tell me if I'm wrong because I think I'm right. I think that a little bit of bagpipe goes a long way. And if you're doing more than a minute of bagpipe, it's too much bagpipe. Yeah, that that's just not that's not clicking with me. Yeah, that's, that's not, I don't think that I'm gonna let you fight. I feel like those you do? Oh, uh oh, uh oh. So I thought, I thought bagpipes, bagpipes are one of like two instruments that have, and I don't remember what it's called that tone in the background that like one single tone the other one's the shakuhachi and i really appreciate that i think it gives it a really nice ambiance i think it gives us like a sort of you know for what's the shakuhachi is that is that the mongolian thing uh i japanese or mongolian but it's like a sort of guitar thing it also has the same sort of tone in the background and i'm sounding completely ignorant right now i understand that oh yeah, i heard we're... about this like a decade ago in an elective in undergrad <laughs> But there's like two instruments that do this, and one is the bagpipe. So that's that's my fun fact for the night, and I appreciate the bagpipes. And I think we should never retire shipping up to Boston, even if we play Boston College. It's just a good song; it gets me hyped. You know, is that the biggest question about that game right now? Are they still going to play that? Song? Yeah. Well, I was actually I was at a ball, I was at the BC game in '09 when they played it, and both teams were equally as hyped as it was being played. <laughs> And I was just like, why are we helping the opponents right now? I, maybe it's a Catholic thing. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're just like, all right, we're, we're in this boat together. Yeah. Dropkick Murphy sounds great. So you're, so you're going to put that together for us, right? Yep. Yep, holding them to it. But, yeah, you did, you did it last year, and I think, look, I, my hat's off to all you video makers out there. You have a skill that I have never mastered and probably never will. And uh, a lot of you are really good at it, uh, but I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just think hype videos are lame. Highlight videos are great. Like all the videos that come out after after a game, I am freaking down for man. I, I'll I, I like sifting through those. I got no problem. Uh, but season hype videos are just fucking awful. We're all okay. agreed, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, icon is class. The I icon feel, videos yeah. class. I feel like I've seen a the old school icon videos though. Like, like I like it, it's too polished now. I, I like I like the the old ones a little bit. You know, a little little rougher around the edges. Uh, were a little more fun to me. The 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 ones over the last few years. There's just there's too much polish to it. Sure. I like I like the new ones. I like the new ones. I think the old ones are embarrassingly bad. If you look back at like 2008 with the oversized graphic and it's just the whole thing's clunky and the Jack Nolan narration and stuff. 
it's not it's not nearly as good as it is now. And I like their and I hope they do more of it this year. This kind of like rapid response because the one thing I I you know like about Twitter is being able to watch the touchdown or the big play again immediately afterwards. And sometimes NBC gives you that you know that that review, but then they typically move on to to the other parts of the game. And I'd like to you know if it's a big hit or a, a big play, I like to I like to see it again. So. Um, uh, you know, I hope there's more accounts doing that kind of stuff. Oh man, I can't believe you like that. Okay, we disagree a lot, Jude. You know that? I was following this guy who was like, he was tweeting about New York Giants and like the New Jersey Devils and or Rangers or something like that and stuff I didn't care about. But he was every Saturday, he was like the fastest guy to uh, put the replays back up or whatever. And I was and I followed him for like six months. <laughs> And endured all of his other terrible tweets. That's so. a, that's a good follow, no, yeah. ma- no matter what. So something else we do, we disagree on, and and I think I'm probably outnumbered on this podcast, and that's okay. It's absolutely okay. But because of what was announced from Alabama and Wisconsin that they were going to have a home and home, which there's a fairly decent shot chance that Alabama pressures Wisconsin into making a neutral. But we'll, we'll move past that. I, there's a damn good chance they do that. But it, it forced me to to look at the the Notre Dame Wisconsin Shamrock series neutral other neutral site game deal that they have in place. You know, just one more time. And for me, you know, I I have had I've held this this opinion for a, a long time. Um, that the, I mean, the I'm just I'm done with the Shamrock series altogether. Like I've I've been on record many times saying to kill it, burn it with fire. I hate it. I hate what it does. And so I, you know, I, I came back on, came back on, you know, right on cue to give another article. Just looking at like, look, you know, I mean, they haven't changed it to a neutral site yet. Uh, so Bama's going to be going up to Camp Randall, and Wisconsin's going down to Tuscaloosa, and that. Those parts of it makes me a, a little jealous because I would rather Notre Dame go to Camp Randall and Wisconsin come to South Bend uh, for their contests instead of Lambeau and Soldier Field. I have an abhorrence for college football games being played in NFL stadiums. Look, it, it's a it's a taste factor, and uh, <clears throat> I, I guess I wasn't shocked at the backlash because look, it, it's a it's a very strong stance, right? And people that, and when you have a strong stance on something, people tend to be like offended and, or feel that they need to get their strong stance, which is the opposite of yours across beaten into your head. I get it. I mean, that's, that's the internet in this day and age. But what, what happened yesterday went way beyond what I expected. Uh, like a whole lot of subtweeting, a whole lot of, uh, you know, kind of the piloted on stuff that went completely away from the core reasons that I have about these. So, you know, if any of y'all are listening, I, you know, I kind of stayed back for the replies because I'm not getting huge tiff. I was in the middle of like 400 things as all that stuff was going down anyway. But just this whole concept of the Shamrock series and all that, to me, is just a bad move. Look, Notre Dame just pumped in 500, they put, pumped in half a billion dollars 
to this crossroads thing. And yes, maybe six home games should be enough. But you know what? Most top teams have been doing seven home games for 10, 15 years now. I would consider Notre Dame a top team. I won't try to say uh, blue blood. Oh, hey, I got it right. I got, I got blue blood. Damn it. I couldn't do it twice in a row. Um, but consider them that kind of a program. So the fact that Notre Dame, you look at Notre Dame's home schedules in the future and you start seeing they're not so hot. Like this year, they actually had to do what other teams do to Notre Dame. You know, when Notre Dame's coming to town, they'll, they'll make, Hey, if you want, if you want this Notre Dame ticket, you got to get these other two games too. Notre Dame actually had to do that this year with the USC game because that's how bad their home slate is. So in 2020, Clemson comes to town. Awesome. They're probably going to be ranked number one in the country. You're returning Heisman winner, Trevor Lawrence. But it's, it's one game, though. And you look at the rest of the home schedule, like, you know, Stanford comes back. Look, Stanford's could be on a decline. We'll, we'll know a lot more about Stanford this year, but they already feel like they're on the decline. So where's the big games? You're, you're going to take a big game away from, from home to, to go do one of these roadshow things? And, you know, you, you want to do the whole, you know, Lam- the whole Lambeau history to, with Notre Dame. And you know, anyone that <laughs> has an argument with me about all sorts of things, like whether it's like Navy series or this, learn the history. Look, I know the freaking history. The histories aren't what bothers me. It's the future. I get why things, why things are sold. I get, I get that Notre Dame uses history to sell things to people. Because that's part of the allure of Notre Dame, right? To, to 20 fans is, is the history of, of it all. So using the, the Lambo thing is just an easier tactic. And all this stuff is just, to me, is just fucking nonsense. You want, you want a schedule where you can help yourself win football games. The only thing that helps a brand more, the, the best thing for a brand is winning football games. Now, Jack Swarbrick has to wear two hats. He's both athletic director and vice president. And those two things are at odds with each other. So usually you would have an athletic director and a vice president duking it out over a glass of whiskey and a fucking pool, a pool stick over things like this. Instead, it's just Jack Swarbrick probably taking a dump, thinking about what he's going to do here, you know, making deals with himself because that's his job. You know, I don't hate Jack Swarbrick and I don't and I completely understand why he does what he does. But that doesn't mean that I can't criticize it because I feel that, you know, it's not in the best interest of the football program. I understand how it could be in a good interest for the school, though. So I I get why these things are done, but I will side with the football program on this issue. Because to me, that's if you're looking at brand and all that, which he does, winning's going to get you that way. So when people start defending these cameras, they've been awful, anyways, right? They're just they're bad opponents, bad locations. Yeah, Syracuse last year, top fifteen team or whatever, you crush them. Woohoo! It's still Syracuse, though. I mean, it's still Syracuse. 
Arizona I mean, State and Jerry World in 2013, that was a top 25 team. Yes, so. it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And, and, and the best uniforms they had. Hey, I'm a big fan of the uniforms, Bob. But, <clears throat> damn it, Jude, you just, you, 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 maybe, you maybe, maybe miss a point here. Um, but, these things have normally been just kind of like location, like centered, centric. Like they're selling the they're selling the the place, and they still are with with Lambo, right? But it didn't really matter the way they used to do it. It really wouldn't matter who with that. Now they're moving it to not doing it every year, but using it as you know, they're, it's an opponent based decision about the Shamrock Series, which means it's going to be a a better opponent. So now you're actively moving one of your bigger games on your schedule for that season away from home. And I have a very difficult time accepting that. Now, look, I understand the art people, people that have said, I love the Shamrock series. I had a great time. I got wasted at one. I got drunk. At the- Man, if you can't get drunk at a tailgate anywhere, I can't help. I mean, that should, that should be the easiest fucking thing to do anywhere. So that's the only reason why you think a Shamrock series game was great. I, I, I got no answer for you because I mean, what do you, what do you say to that? That's not, that has, that's not the point, even in the slightest. Maybe you like New York city and that whole vibe. That's cool. You you know, people are talking about it. you know, like a mid season bowl game. Awesome. You know, have fun at the fucking pinstripe bowl then. But if if those are the reasonings, I mean, you could do the same thing at home and, and go to an away game and have that kind of experience Do a true away game. I I just feel that neutral site games throughout college football. Notre Dame is not the only call, and this is my own personal things. And if you feel differently than this, that is absolutely fine. Uh, I don't feel that uh, these things are black and white in terms of fandoms uh, for how you ju- look at these games. But I just I want college games played in college stadiums. Sorry, Pitt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're forced to play at Heinz every week. But people get up in a fucking tizzy about all this. Like, really pissed off at me yesterday that I would publish this. Like, trash. Like, and the, so the, some of the excuses are even better. Like, the whole recruit thing has been completely oversold by the people selling you this shit. No recruit in the history of recruiting has chosen a school within their top 10, 15 reasons is because they were playing in an NFL stadium one year. Or that they were going to to Ireland one year, or and on top of it all, you know, we used to, we're I keep saying really, on top of it all, really but I'm, I'm, piling, I'm piling it on here. Really believe you know, that? No, I don't believe it for a fucking minute. Like, you you ask any recruit, you ask any recruit a question, right, about a school, they are so tuned in to say positive things about that school. It don't matter what you fucking ask them. They're going to say it's great. It's awesome. That's great. It's awesome. You don't think playing in NFL stadiums is a draw for recruits? Because I 100% disagree with that. I know you, you do. But that I, 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 just, I no one chooses a school based off of that. Is it a nice thing to say to a recruit? It, it's, oh, it's just another, it's oh, another thing to say. I'm not saying it's the only thing that makes them choose it, but it's part of the... the no, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a reason. It, it, it is... Absolutely fucking, a reason. It, it's, I think it's garnished. 
This is one opportunity to play in an NFL stadium. And when you dangle that in front of them, you're not going to tell a recruit. You're not going to tell a top recruit that the only chance that they're going to have in their life to play to. I didn't say top recruit. You're going to sell them that you're going to get them in the NFL draft top five pick. I didn't say all recruits. I said all the recruits. It, you're not just recruiting one person a year. You're recruiting. No, but all these recruits think that way, though, Jude. Just be, if you're a top five recruit, five star, or a fucking three star, you still believe you these guys God, still believe that God they're going to make it. He has an NFL future. Yes, they do. I mean, they, they honestly, God, in their minds, think that. And that's I, okay. I'm not trying to break any of their spirits on that. My whole point is that this sell, quote, this quote unquote sell, is freaking parsley it's a garnish it's a, it's a lemon on the, next to the salmon not, not even next to the salmon it's a lemon in the water that you while you're eating it, it doesn't it doesn't matter as much I think, as i think you are willfully uh, ignoring the benefits to the school of doing the shamrock series and, and you say you only care about the football program but they're intertwined the football program maintains its independence by having the budget to do the things that they have them. the budget, they have the money. <laughs> okay, so they're, 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 there's nothing you can. They're just going to. They, keep got, they got enough money. Well, hold on, hold on a second. It's winning, Jude. Winning. It's about it's about sustaining the money, right? And so they're going to just keep leaving. Yeah, winning. Sustain, winning sustains money. Winning means checks keep coming in. Okay, so that, if, that, if, that if, you lose, if you lose in Camp Randall instead of losing in Lambo. What, which one do you walk out with $3 million from? <laughs> Look, I'm waiting that, for your answer. I mean, you would have based this a bit off of that. You I, walk out with a, it still doesn't matter. Notre Dame survive. You can survive fine enough. They are not hurting in the least. This is just, uh, this is just a terrible business that. sense, Josh. Terrible business sense. And I'm no, glad the, 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 the business like sense her. is winning. The terrible business sense is that the football team fucking bailed them out last year by going out to L.A. and barely fucking beating USC because of a stupid-ass decision to put a game in New York City against Syracuse to complete, to have these guys crisscross in the freaking country, which that travel almost tripped them up in L.A. to mess up an undefeated season. They bailed them out. But it didn't. That's terrible business sense. You had, they had no – you know, all <laughs> – they just they completely lucked out in that scenario that that did not kill them because they were fucking they were close in LA to they, losing it. They lose they lose that game. You're right. It, it they take a financial hit because they're not in the college football playoff probably. But, yeah, but they they walk away they, with the Shamrock Series money. But. They took they took a risk and they Sweet. and they it worked out great. So yeah, so you're one of you're one of four teams that makes the playoffs, which is you know like statistically not all that likely or the money that's guaranteed because you can have a big draw in New York city. That's actually pretty good business sense. No. Wins and losses no. aside. Winning, winning cures all, whether it's money, look, donors, all they want to see is all they want to see is a win. They want to see big wins. If you go up to camp Randall and lose, it's a lot different than sending the sideshow up to Lambo and lose. All right. It's just a You're road right. game. It's just You're a road right. game You're loss. Millions of dollars out that you could have made. Right, that's a maybe that's a guy that's not writing a check because he's pissed off because you fucking sent a home game up oh, to Lambo. No, and at the you, same time, no, he's no. going anyway. He's and going. at the same time, there's no. You're completely dismissing the entire point. Is you are diluting your entire product at home. 
You spent a half a billion dollars Whatever. on a state on a re stadium renovation where you're putting nothing. Listen, I mean, the schedule look horrible. Top Can we talk about the stadium renovation at some point? By the way, it's it's what do you think? What amazing? Large? Oh, it is amazing. I, I that's what I'm saying. Let's show it off some more. Where do you, I mean, where do you think you, you did? You did right. All right. I may disagree with some things with the crossroads, but look, I, inside the state, I mean, I I like what they did. You spent the money. You you did good. Where do you think good. your largest alumni bases is for Notre Dame? Where do you think? What city? Oh, probably Chicago, New York. Yeah, I, was, I would say Chicago. I mean, take, I mean, take your pick of the two biggest cities. Where, where in do you country. put the Amrock Series games? Chicago and New York, right? Dude, I get it. it I went to the, I went to the but, first one in Chicago, but you. Dude, you're missing the point because my point of that is I don't give a shit about that part of it. You know, you I don't, don't care. Shit, I'm glad. Yeah, and, I, and I think I've said that many times before. That part, I don't care. My whole point, is, I, and I understand, I completely understand the vice president side of doing this stuff, Why of why you do it. But as far as the football team goes, dude, they're going to be fine. And without those games, they're still – yeah, yeah, so you're short $3 million. They still got plenty fucking more. It's not going to make them go crawl into the Big Ten for to be you know considered a member or, or tell the ACC they're ready to flip full-time. None of that is going to change. Don't leave money on the table. That's good business sense. I'm not worried about – that's the whole point. I don't care about the business sense. All I, care about, is wins, all I care about is wins and losses. Well, no, no, no. Wins and Do that's you care it. about Notre Dame's independence? They can – that's what I'm saying. You're you're just worried about all this extra money. They can stay independent. That is your extra money you're leaving on the table. It has nothing they, to do with it. They take Lambo to keep to maintain their independence. That's what they do. That's no, how they no, do that. You, you don't you don't have to. Well, you still don't have to. Okay. Here's one thing we have independent. independent. Here's, here's another here's thing. Here's one thing we have independent. It, you take Lambo so that you're New, New Mexico's independent. UConn is now independent. UMass you can, is independent. You can, you can take, stay independent. You can stay independent. You have a sweetheart with the ACC, where you don't have to worry about it. You really don't have to worry about the independence. The only time an independent becomes a problem is when they get together and say, you are not, you don't, you do not have access. None of that has to do with money and how much money you're leaving on the table. None of that, period. Winning fucking sells merch. Look, Merch makes them money. They got stock and Under Armour, for God's okay, sake. They, they, ha they have enough business sense elsewhere. On everything else, if Notre Dame knows one thing, it's how to make money. They're don't making it the elsewhere. They don't have dollars. to do it there. You don't take the $24 million in ACC TV revenue. Instead, you take $7 million. Dude, I don't care. You make up some of that somewhere else. I don't care. None of that, none of that matters. That's you the can, first none of that matters to their independence. You can still point. stay independent. Actually, you know what I'm actually really curious about now that you met is how much merch they sell in the bookstore on a home game versus those mobile bookstores they set up for the shamrock games because well, those places are always packed i did i did bring up that last year i can't remember do you don't know if you remember if i did that in the spring or i did it in the fall it, it might have been right in the summer because it was when they announced the when notre dame finally got behind a green out uh you know for the michigan game you know it was the first time notre dame ever officially said let's do a green out Right. which was uncoincidentally right after kind of a flop with the unveiling of the Shamrock series uniforms that were awful in New York. Right. 
And my theory at the time was, yeah, dude, they need to make up some money. There, there, there's a money loss there that Under Armour and Notre Dame are feeling on the merch side. They need to sell some more shit. So yeah, let, let's do it. Let's do a green out. Let's sell shirts that say Irish wear green, which they were selling with a greet with a, which amazingly sold pretty well, even when the, even when the shirt was green last year. And later down the road, you got green jerseys. So yeah, that, that they're making money. But I had questioned that, like, as far as like how much money they're actually making at a neutral site location right. to, to home. I don't know. And Judy knows this better than I do as far as uh, th- th- I don't think there's a way we can get that information from uh, like, say, like New York, from the Yankee organization in Notre Dame. Right. There's no there's no. Well, I mean, um, Yankees, a private organization, New York, right. Right. So we, we, private university. So. Right, so we can't get any of that information. So we, so we have no idea what the details are. We honestly don't know, but, yeah. But I, you and I have had that discussion before. Where I was like, we wondered what the difference was, right? Yeah. Like, when you when you start adding adding it all up together, like there's less seats being sold, you know, at that at that stadium, the Notre Dame Stadium, and then all the concessions, and there's no way in hell, you know, the Yankees are letting Notre Dame keep as much, you know, the what what's the dollar amount difference? Is there a payment? Um, and I think Jude, you may have learned on a back end. How significant, how significant of a payment that yeah. Notre Dame got for that game. Anyway, yeah, I won't say them out, right? Um, well, I remember the Syracuse had reported, the Post Standard here in Syracuse had reported about the Syracuse-Notre Dame game that had been moved to the Meadowlands. And I, I'm going to have to refer back to the notes to get the exact number, but I believe it was a $3 million payout to each team simply to move that game to the Meadowlands instead of playing it at the Carrier Dome. And so okay. that was so, that was financially it was incentive for Syracuse because it represented a significant portion of their total athletics budget. <laughs> but it also what turned out to be a payday for Notre Dame that had that right. had nothing to do right. with not playing the game in Syracuse. They just, you know, it worked right. out to their benefits. So like I said, I I don't know what the exact difference is between and the economic impact for the city as a whole, which I would think Notre Dame has a little bit of responsibility for South Bend economy uh, <laughs> during the fall. The, the, the total impact, I'm a, I'm an idiot. So I, I'm not gonna be able to, and obviously I don't have business sense. Um, I fully admit to that, but I just feel that the difference isn't as, isn't as large to give a shit about. I mean, you raised 500, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what the exact difference is. And I and I'll continue to say I don't care. When winning cures all, winning writes checks, winning does all sorts of things. I guess I guess the, winning I guess, keeps you independent. Else, my you strong, went my strong, in the state independent. My strongest argument is you don't know, and I don't know, but I know one person who definitely does know, and that's Jack Swarbrick and the board of trustees. So if they're saying that this is in the best financial interest of the university and it helps expand the university and its brand. And that leads to more undergraduate admissions and and everything like that, then they're going to do that. And I don't blame them for doing it. And I completely understand it. I look, I'm with you, which is, I would have loved to say, you know, see a game at at Camp Randall. And, and I look, 
Riggs put this out there and I a hundred thousand percent disagree, which is like, he's like, if you want to go see a game at Camp Randall, just go to any game. Like, no, I don't want to go to any game. I don't care. I don't give a fuck about Minnesota versus Wisconsin. I care about Wisconsin versus Notre Dame. And I, I should would, watch that with the X. I would prefer to see that. <laughs> I would prefer to see that at, um, I like Riggs. He's a good guy. Like I mostly agree with him on most stuff or whatever. Right. But um, I would have preferred to see that at Camp Randall, but I understand why that game is being played at Lambeau and Soldier Field. Okay, no, that, I, that's my point. I understand what's going on, but just because I understand what's going on doesn't mean I don't want to fucking call it out for being shitty. And I just think it's shitty. I mean, I've said that a million times. I don't. But also understand that Alabama and Notre Dame are coming at this from two different perspectives, which is Alabama is is the the big boss in the room right and they all they also have their sec money to fall back on so they can basically say to wisconsin take this offer or leave it and we don't really care either way right and wisconsin we want to play the number one team in the nation and could be the number one team in the nation and you know five years time when they actually play or 10 years time or whatever the number is um so they took it right and they took it you know based on on that or whatever um Notre Dame felt like it was in a little bit more of a, a different thing. They had, you know, their philosophy is more towards geared towards the Shamrock series and maybe the revenue that's generated from that, but also the, the, you know, expanding the, you know, and, and again, you, you identify this in the beginning that the push and pull between Jack Swarbrick responsibilities, to the university as a whole, and then responsibilities to the football program specifically. Right. And so right. He, he's, he, he, he loses some stuff. Right. And so, you know, there was that decision that was made at Syracuse and and we blame Jack Swarbrick, but he might have he might have had some people above him that made that decision, you know, and then maybe they got into this like, oh, sh- crap moment where they were like, wait a second. We don't really want to do this because they thought about it for five seconds. And then it was too late. Um, right. But look, that it, it it happened to work out. So no harm, no foul. But I, I totally understand what you're saying in that that really could have derailed a, an otherwise uh, very positive season. And I think that the first complaint that people would have said is if they had lost to USC or lost to Syracuse would have been, if you just play that damn game in South Bend, then we wouldn't be talking, we'd be talking about a perfect season, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, the setup was there, right? I mean, right. we had, I mean, yeah. I had been railing against this shit for years. And then once they announced that move in March uh, for the Syracuse game, then everybody started piling on where I left off at, where, I, where, I, where I've already been at, and no. then that was the narrative, right? All off season leading into the leading into the season is like, dear God, the air miles they're about to log uh, is, is going to be outrageous. The and, other thing that kind of the kind of thing that drove me nuts was the people that were saying, "Oh, you know, college football fans take things way too seriously." Like, first of all, yes, uh, and everyone has something that they take way too seriously. Okay. I've died on <laughs> I've died on dozens of stupid hills, and I will die on dozens. Yeah, of man, that, and that that's people, fine, right? I mean, you know, shouldn't it? Should it? Isn't it? Isn't it okay to die on your stupid hill than to die on some like awful I would, hill? I would rather you have an opinion and just like an awful person and argue with you about you being wrong than than you just sit back and be like, I don't care about any of this, or I'm too cool for this. Like, um, I, <laughs> so I think I think Greg actually a friend of the pod here. Greg uh, from UHND actually said it perfectly. Our very good friend of the podcast. Which, which, yeah, that's which the, he, the exact title. He tweeted, uh, Greg2126, by the way, uh, he tweeted uh, me today, you know, oh, 
you know, everybody, yeah, everyone's right. Like this totally doesn't matter. Everyone just should just chill. Uh, me on October 26th. If Michigan wins today, <laughs> I might just, <laughs> I might just kill myself. You know what I mean? So like, Life will not be worth living I, or something. Like that. Maybe people were objecting to you being so fired up on July 30th, you know, or 29th or whatever the date was. Um, but, but don't tell me that that passion doesn't exist when a call doesn't go our way, uh, in a football game, or there's a bad play clock management by our coach, or he goes for two when the charts doesn't say to go for two people get passionate about things. You know what I mean? So I I don't mind your, your passion about this. I just happen to disagree with you about this. Although I kind of conceptually agree with you, which is I, my, my preference would be that they play them on college campuses because I just think that's a cooler uh atmosphere and i well, think and it's, as, it's a cooler thing you know as, so. as a thought uh, as a kind of a thought exercise too it, it, it's kind of interesting right like this this conversation about one game uh, well i guess and i guess two games really being scared uh, you know the scheduling around them like brings up so many different things like when people start talking about i mean you'll start history tradition also economics you know it brings up so many different facets of of life and so many facets surrounding you know their name as a school and their name for football as a program you know i i'm kind of fascinated by that part just the fact that so many different so many different people bring up so many different things about why they support it in which way or the other and as as far as in this case you know like the support for um for these games being in their places there was all sorts of different reasons, you know, and as far as like Notre Dame's history of barnstorming, which didn't exist for many years, uh, like in Lou Holtz's time, uh, I mean, just there's all sorts of different, there's all the different things to pick and choose. Right. And we all do it. And we do it for whatever side you, you're, you're going to find your best supporting arguments, you know, it's break out the highlighters, you know, but uh, I, I just, I find that fascinating is on top of us like this, like, how many people pull how many different things out just to prove off of a general feeling that they have, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I do it. That's a, that's why I'm saying it. I do the exact thing. I, it just, it makes me, uh, it just it cracks me up to see other people throwing their stuff their way. I mean, look, as long as we acknowledge that, uh, we're cherry picking arguments sometimes, or we're, we're willfully or almost all the time (laughs) and not the other side of an argument, um, just because we're being stubborn or because we, you know, just because we don't, we just don't agree or whatever. Um, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I've just, uh, look, I love, I love the passion that you, that you brought yesterday. I, you know, I, I thought that, you know, the dogpiling was, was a little harsh, but I, you know, you took, you took an unpopular opinion and you stood your ground on it. So I've been there before. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there now on, on other things, you know? So, um, yeah, just, and, that, and that's the part that bothers me the least, actually. I mean, the part that bothers me the most, or, and we've already mentioned before, is just like the random passersby, like <laughs> the, the drive-by shouts, like what, you know, you're, you know, I don't know, but, but you're right. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's an opinion on a topic. It's not like my opinion is going to change any actual event. Oh, I'm going to break it to you. I don't think Jack Swarbrick reads one foot down. I, I don't think he does. I, um, I, I'll ask him though. Every once in a while, you know, it doesn't happen so much anymore uh, because of the way they have the, 
Jack's on the probably on the other press side, press box. But every once in a while, you know, you you know, in the post game, you, you rub up next to him. I might slip him a note. I might slip like, hey, do you read OFD? Yes, no, Jack, maybe. Yeah, I I swear to God that that might happen. Team, he was at least aware of the uh, MS Paint uh, campaign that happened in 2016 in the Observer and the South Bend Tribune to to compare Brian Kelly unfairly to uh, uh, Ty Willingham using uh, very cherry picked out of context data, and uh, <laughs> he made fun of that. Uh, it obviously didn't change anything the way that he was operating business or whatever. And I think. After twenty, Not even a billboard changed changed no, things. So, after 20, I mean, 22 and four, he's pretty happy. This is, this is all of us shouting into this massive, massive uh, abyss, and it's fine. It's right. I mean, it, it, it's 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 fine. And hopefully, we we've, we've entertained somebody on their way to work, or uh, <laughs> no. I hope so. Look, yeah, we're wrapping this up because that's what this episode was all about. Was just, you know. Wrap it up off season. Like it's it's time it's time to put chin straps on, fellas. Uh it's almost uh incidental hit day. Brad, you remember that back in the day? Oh yeah. Remember incidental hit day the first day you got your pads on, but you weren't tackled. Oh, yeah. But yet there was, you know, at least four guys that got just absolutely creamed, like catching a punt with no protection. Actually, good point. I don't remember it because <laughs> 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 but I do remember the concept. Yes. Yeah. Those. Those. Those were. Uh, th- those were absolutely some of the best days. Yeah. I didn't think <laughs> I needed to strap up my helmet. Turns out I did. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, we all. It's time. It's, it's time to strap up, man. It's, it's fall camp. Uh, my whole wavelengths changed. I've already gotten into a fight with my wife about uh, my time uh, <laughs> and how much less I have of it. Um, so I know it's season. I, you know, she's she's prepping herself uh, for an absentee husband uh, for the next four months, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're we're get we're moving past all the off season nonsense and looking towards um, you know Jalen Elliott winning the Thorpe Award. Man, yeah. See, nobody disagrees with me about Jalen Jalen Elliott winning the Thorpe. Hell yeah. I'm looking forward, and on a semi-related note, I'm looking forward to Doug Farmer from uh, Inside the Irish and NBC. Uh, he he publishes a list every year, uh, consensus top 25. I always find those really illuminating. Um, there's always one or two guys that get left off the list that have great seasons, and there's always one or two guys that are very high on the list that uh, you know really uh, are do not do not deserve the ranking. So I can't wait to uh, see the list and then try to figure out who. Uh, who's ranked too high and who got snubbed. I had Brandon Wimbush one last year and Ian book unranked. I had, I had Doug and usually this, this year, Doug didn't do it. I, I, my top 25 was pretty well. I had worked really hard on mine this year, um, harder than most other years that I've said. And, uh, and usually he'll previous years. He sent me a note like, Hey man, uh, you forgot this player like oh shit you know yeah he's 16 <laughs> slide everybody else down uh that didn't happen this year but that last year i had wimbush and book unranked and look what how that happened so these things are are what they are right they're just they're still our kind of random guesses i wanted to put jalen elliott number one so damn bad i 
it took me until almost deadline to send mine in. And just, I, I believe I had him. I ended up going with a different set and had him at five, I think. Um, and I have all sorts of reasons behind that. Because uh, I think Jalen Elliott's going to have a spectacular year, going to be a captain, uh, going to do all sorts of great things for us. I believe in him. We'll have to wait and see. You uh, quickly give us your top five, or is that giving way too much? Uh, uh, no, you're just you're calling me out for something I'm unprepared for is all. <laughs> we'll save but, it for uh, podcast then. But uh, no, um, I I didn't have look. I did not have um, uh, Julian Aquara number one. I had uh, Ian Book number one, um, and I fully believe that Julian Aquara is the best player on the team. But my list, my top twenty five list each year is uh has all sorts of different reasonings built into all of them um and and so it, it's it's kind of like the old bcs formula basically so um ian book because of so many other factors that go into being the quarterback and his skill level uh, i had him number one had julian acquire number two khalid kareem number three i had i had jalen elliott number four and chase claypool number five A list. I hope all five of those guys have outstanding seasons and get themselves high up in the draft uh, board so we don't have to debate whether or not they get drafted or not. It was a tough year to do it, man. It really was. I mean, rank those linemen. I mean, it, it was a it it was a tough it was a tough thing. Like, which defensive back are you leaving out? You know, do you leave off of? I mean, how many linebackers do you put in a top twenty-five and your linebackers are your most questionable position group you know what i mean sure. that was tough figuring out the line, figuring out where you put these linebackers where they're basically all unproven i mean even as my as a senior well he's playing a mic now not rover he's unproven so it, it was a tough go so yeah we're gonna wrap this up I, I do apologize for the uh for the ad that i didn't break for while we were speaking uh but there was a couple of awkward silences that uh that i'll find to fill the void um, please go over to onefootdown.com. We still have the link up there for the fan pulse. Uh, get your top 25 teams, uh, vote each week, get your voice heard. Uh, it's a cool thing. Jude's going to be our, our, he's a numbers guy, right? He, I'm, I'm stupid, uh, with numbers. So, uh, he's going to take control, take uh, care of all that. There's all sorts of cool things happening at SB nation that I'm not allowed to talk about, <laughs> but we'll hint at. Obviously, today was a big day uh, as they um, they hunt up their jerseys at uh, Every Day Should Be Saturday. No one's going anywhere. They're staying on network. Uh, but the site itself uh, will no longer uh, continue publishing stories. So, guys, you got anything else to add there? Other than uh, to thank Spencer for being one of the uh, pioneers of this whole damn thing that we do. Uh, thanks for a spirited discussion tonight and always glad to have Brad back on the, on the podcast. A voice of reason. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be back. Do you still have circulation in your legs, Brad? I, I don't. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to like, I don't know, kick him. Brad is in a very precarious place for recording podcast. Three potty breaks already. So he's all set. <laughs> yeah. It's built in. <laughs> I, I muted the flushes. So. <laughs> <laughs> i can edit oh, those out later right man if, uh, if someone's still listening uh, 
chuckle. Uh, so, uh, yep, that's all. Yeah, I got. yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, and we will have many more podcasts uh, coming up. Go Irish. Go Irish. Uh-huh.